greets us. And he says to us, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. As God has given his peace to us, we now get to turn and give that to each other. And you can say the long version, which is the peace of the Lord be with you always. Or the short version, which is simply God's peace. And I know for some of you, it's your first loft. So you may be seeing people here that you haven't seen yet. So if there's a little extended time of the hugging and the peace extending, let it be so. Peace it up. sit in chairs. Come sit. Okay, or not. Everybody got, good? Y'all place to sit? We got places up here? We good? All right. Good, thank you for that. Thank you for that. So we have the opportunity to serve each other in lots of ways on this campus. One of them involves signing up for a few things that help loft happen on Sundays. So if you are interested in helping to set up coffee and cookies, to be a greeter up front, shout out to our greeters today. That's a great, nice job, yes. If you wanna be a prayer servant, um, they come and pray for loft before and then they pray with students afterwards. Uh, if you want to be a dancer, if you want to be involved in drama, if you want to do projection, which is a very important thing, um, all of those things, you can sign up downstairs, right? Just downstairs and here. So you can sign up downstairs where the coffee and cookies will be, or you can sign up right out here in the lobby afterwards, and someone will contact you and put you on the schedule and let you know how to do it. You will be taught how to do all of these things. So even if you've never done product projection, for example, and you think that would just be cool because then you definitely have a reserved seat, right, David? Yes, reserved seat, bonus, um, sign up for projection. We also know that now we all kind of know what classes we're taking. We know when they meet. We know where they meet. Uh, I had to help a few people. We all had to help a few people find where their classes were meeting, right? Um, the strength training room, by the way, very hard to find uh, if you don't exactly know where it is. Um, all those numbers over there in that gym, they get very confusing. So because you know that all now, you know when you can find your chapel buddy. You know 
I need a chapel buddy on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I can come to chapel Tuesday, Thursday. I need a chapel buddy Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I need a chapel five days a week because I'm going to chapel it up. <laughs> All right? So uh, on your floor, in your classes, if you're in a 9 a.m. class and you're just going to chapel, just bring everybody, just count everybody your chapel buddy who is in the class. Bring them all with you to chapel, all right? So um, find your chapel buddy. One of the things we talked about last week about growing up into Christ, y'all remember that, right? Those of you who are here? We talked about growing up, and we said uh, this service is called Living Our Faith Together because we need each other to grow in faith. Nothing is required as far as spiritual life here at Calvin. It's a free choice. You get to figure out what you want to do. But we also know that if it's just up to us, we will sleep in right? We will skip. Um, we will do other things. And so we need accountability brothers, just like we need them to, to work out and to eat well and to, you know, do our physics homework or whatever the thing is. Whatever the thing is. You need your buddies. So find your chapel, loft, church buddy. That would be awesome. And then um, we introduced it last time, but we didn't have it, and that is our offering. And we give our offering for the community Yes, the Community Care Fund. This is an offering that we take as students to give back to students who are in need. Um, we've had students who had a, needed a root canal, didn't have any insurance. We were able to contribute to that. Sometimes we have students who have uh, loved ones who die and they need to get to the funeral and we're able to contribute to an immediate family member uh, death. So just think about how to give. Uh, college is a time when you get to be selfish a lot. You get to kind of, yeah, woo, a little woo. Um, you get to determine how you spend your time, how you spend your money, if and when you do your laundry. Like, all of these things you get to choose, and it can lead toward kind of a shaping of ourselves around our own selves, which is not really what we want. And so when we gather in worship, and we're reminded that there are other people in the world, and when we give, we're reminded that there are other people in the world who need our help, and that God has blessed us, and we can give back. So uh, our offering will be taken now. It's for the Community Care Fund and give as the Lord has blessed you.
One of the things that we always do a lot is have a prayer time together about the needs of our community. And uh, we've had a number of students who've been getting injured and having issues. And uh, I wanted to tell you about two students who at the very end of the summer um, ran into some difficulty. The first is Kyle Bradshaw. I know. Kyle was um, all set to be a Barnabas on, uh, on his floor this fall. But Kyle and his friend Nate were hiking up a mountain and um, Kyle fell off. Yes, and he, um, it was a very scary thing for Nate because Kyle fell off, he couldn't see him, he fell far. Nate went to get help, sun was setting, Nate ended up being lost in the woods overnight, really unsure about the status of Kyle, was able to get help. Help was able to get to Kyle who had no life-threatening injuries although he was significantly beat up in the fall. Um, Kyle is doing very well, and uh, if the accident had happened in June, he probably would be back at school, but it happened toward the end of summer, so he needs some time to recover. He had surgery this week on his wrist, followed by some, he had some surgeries earlier. He's doing very, very well. His spirits are great, he sends his love, he knows that I'm telling you all this today. Um, so uh, Kyle, if you're watching, shout out from Loft. And then uh, we want to tell you about Matt Steenweik. Um, you'll see Matt around. He will be identifiable not only because of his blonde dreadlocks, um, but also because he'll be wearing a neck brace. A couple weeks ago, he was doing parkour in his backyard. Yes. Um, he was trying to learn how to do a backflip, and he was being spotted, and he was being spotted, and he was being spotted, and then he was ready to not be spotted. And he should have been, um, because he fell on the back of his neck, and uh, it was a very dangerous situation. The doctor told him he was actually two millimeters away from being paralyzed. So he was into surgery, and they did all sorts of amazing things to stabilize his neck, and he'll um, make a complete recovery with some rehab and things. You'll see him around campus. He'll actually eventually be playing the electric guitar for us again um, back here. Uh, again, spirits are good, very optimistic, very grateful. So, two situations which could have gone very differently, and uh, God in his mercy preserved life and mobility, and we're just grateful. We're just really grateful, and Kyle and Matt and their families are grateful for the care of the Calvin community which has been poured on them. So, um, they both know that this is happening in Loft tonight, by the way, too. So, with that... Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our God, we thank you for this amazing world, and we love to explore it. We love to get out, to explore, to hike, to take adventures on. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy toward Kyle and Nate. In a situation that felt so grim and so hopeless, you were there. You stood right by. You were with Kyle all night. You were with Nate. You watched over them. And Lord, you are healing them both, not only from the physical effects of the events, but also from the emotional trauma. Thank you that they see your care and they testify to it. We thank you for your mercy in Matt's life. We thank you for preserving his ability to walk and to move and to feed himself, all these things that were very close to being gone. 
And so, Lord, we pray for his complete healing and for Kyle's complete healing, that they will listen to those who are in charge of them and giving them rehab advice and counsel, that they will do exactly what is said. We continue to pray this for Ben and for the others that have been injured already this year. Lord, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so help us to take good care of our bodies. Help us to honor them as gifts from you. And help us to be grateful for them. We thank you for life. We thank you for the ability to play and to run and to do silly things like Chaos Day and Mud Bowl which just allow us to use our bodies in fun ways and to celebrate and be silly and wear costumes and get muddy and just rejoice before you for this opportunity to be in a community where those things can happen and happen well. We thank you for that. We thank you for all the gifts you give us in new professors. We thank you that some of us are sitting in classes right now and we think this is the best class ever. I love this professor. Thank you for all of those. And for those of us who are sitting in classes and thinking, boy, I don't know about this. This seems too hard. I don't really understand the professor. I'm not sure if I should stay in or drop out. Lord, we pray that you give clarity and wisdom when we're in those situations and we're not sure where to go, that you will surround us with people who will love us and help us to make good choices. We thank you that we are in a community of people who want us to flourish, who want us to do well, who want us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so forgive us when we are selfish and self-absorbed and we think only about ourselves and our own comfort and our own time and our own energy and our own money. And Lord, continue to put us in relationships with people who call us out, who call us to be better, who call us to be more generous and more patient and more loving and more kind. We thank you for people who are going to be our chapel buddies this year, who are going to be our loft buddies and our church buddies, who are going to not let us lose heart, not let us walk away from commitments we made to you at the beginning of this year about doing devotions and worshiping you and praying together. Lord, we thank you for brothers and sisters that you place in our lives who say you are better. You can be more. You can follow God with your whole self, and I'm going to help you do it. Wow, Lord, we are grateful to be in a place like that. And we thank you for our brother James. And as we begin an adventure in reading his book and learning from him, we know that we are learning from you, that this is your word that this is your anointed word for us. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves under this teaching, and we ask that you use this word to crack open our defenses and reach deep inside us and show us the things in us that need to change for your glory. And so, Lord, we pray for your power to become real to us tonight as we read and study and hear your word together. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people say, Amen. So we are starting the book of James. Woo! Yes! So excited. James 
It will get to be by the end of the semester that your Bibles just kind of fall open to that. Uh, but it's uh, page 980, page 980, the Black Pew Bibles. You should have one around you somewhere. You want to keep it out, I'll be referring to it over the course of the message. Page 980, James 1. James 1. James is a really dense book. Um, there's a lot going on, and there could be like 100 sermons probably preached through James, but I only get 10. So as we go through over the course of the semester, there are going to be things that I can't deal with and things that I can't address. But that's why we also have chapel, and that's why we also have your Bible study. So if there's something in loft that kind of piques your interest, come back tomorrow in chapel because someone else will preach about it. Or go to your Bible study and talk about it and ask about it because we're all moving into this book together, okay? So, that being said, today we are looking at James 1, the first 18 verses, a big chunk, big chunk of James. And this is what he says. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete. Remember we talked about that last week? Lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Let the believer who is lowly boast in being raised up, and the rich in being brought low, because the rich will disappear like a flower in the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the field. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. It's the same way with the rich in the midst of of a busy life, they will wither away. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one, when tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it, then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Every generous act of giving with every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. So our local minor league baseball team is called the West Michigan Whitecaps. And yes, yes, a woo, definitely. They are very fun to go see. Uh, they did not make the playoffs this week, unfortunately. Um, but they, but they're really fun. It's a minor league club, and so um, because the baseball can be a little uneven, you know what I'm saying. Uh, they do games between all the innings. And they have different audience members who come out and participate, and one of them is the dizzy bat race, when they like make people spin around a whole bunch of times. 
Even just once was enough for me. Um, a whole bunch of times, and then they make them run the bases. Um, or they like have uh, a little kid who has a Velcro hat on, and his brother has like little fuzzy balls, and he's got to throw them over his shoulder. Like the little kid's got to get them on his head, right? These kind of games. Well, one of the games is called What's in the Box? What's in the box? And if you came in and you paid attention and you were able to see up here, you noticed that there are boxes. Ooh. Yes. And one of the things the announcer at the Whitecaps game always does is between everything, uh, as he's explaining the game, he'll have everybody say, what's in the box? What's in the box? Yes. And there are always three. And the first one is always an envelope, not technically a box. The second one is a little bit bigger, okay? And the third one, much bigger than this one, they actually open the gates in the outfield and they wheel out this huge box, all right? And so first you're given the opportunity to pick number one or number two or number three and you have to like decide. But you don't know what's in the box, right? You have to pick the thing before you know Yes. And you can see when little kids have to do this, they just, they're like standing on the dugout, okay? They have all these people yelling at them, what's in the box? And they're like, <laughs> right? And they don't know what to pick. They don't know what to go because it's just boxes. And the promise is so good. And yet... I have seen it when someone picks the big box, the giant box in the outfield, and a person stands up and she's holding the top of a toilet seat. Oh. <laughs> right? Or someone picks, picks, the, picks this and they get like, you know, a $5 gift card to the White Cap Souvenir Store, which could buy like gum, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, oh. But every now and then there's something amazing, like the little envelope contains like concert tickets or... Um, or this one contains like t-shirts for your whole family or something. It's just, but you don't know. Right. Do you feel like your entire life of college is a game of what's in the box? <laughs> right? It's like, I could major in this. Or, or maybe this. Or this, this looks good, you know, moderate, middle of the road. But the challenge is you don't know. You could ask this person out, or this one, um, or this one. But again, you don't know. And it's just so maddening. And you find yourself sometimes, you're like the little kid on the top of the dugout, and you're just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Right? Do you know that in the course of every day, you make at least 70 conscious decisions? It's okay. You've been doing it your whole life. It's, I mean, from the time your alarm goes off, you've got three boxes. You've got turn the alarm off and get up. Hit the snooze. Turn the alarm off and just go back to sleep. Right? Now you know something about what's in those boxes. This is a box of responsibility. Get yourself to class on time, maybe get some breakfast. Nice. 
This would be a little more rushed, probably not so much on the breakfast, a little, little uh, sluggish most of the morning. This one, oh, <laughs> oh, that's not, good, that's not a good box. It's not a good box. Right? And from there, it's like, then, well, what are you going to wear? Oh, jeez, right? And then it's like, um, are you going to talk with somebody while you're walking down the path? Or are you going to do the, like, I'm totally absorbed in my phone. I don't know anyone's around me kind of thing. Or like, do you do this life hack? Do you put the earphones in even though you're not listening to anything? <laughs> right? Right? All these decisions we make every day, and people have studied decision-making, and they know that if you have to make a lot of decisions at the beginning of the day, by the end of the day, you are done making decisions. Right? And it accumulates over the week. My husband and I have date night every Thursday night. By about the time I get to Thursday, I'm decisioned out, okay? So I walk in the door and he's like, hey, it's date night, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I can't choose, I can't choose, I don't care what's in the box. I'm just overwhelmed by all the decisions I have to make all the time. There's decision fatigue, right? And some of you are like, yes, I know, yes. And, we have these fears, right? It would be easy if we could open every one of these and have no fear. Like, I will major in Spanish, I have no fear, right? No fear, I'm gonna go to Spain, whoop, whoop, right? No fear. But we fear that we're gonna make the wrong decision, right? We're gonna major in Spanish, we're gonna hit the 300 level literature classes and be like, why did I ever do this? Right? Or we're gonna like major in chemistry and we're gonna like blitz along 101, 102, 201, 202, 202, 202, 300. Right? And think, what have I done? Why am I doing this? I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So much pressure. And we fear making the wrong decision because there's an assumption that one of these boxes is better than the other boxes. Right? There's the assumption that somewhere out there is the perfect person for me. And I just need to find the box. P.S. I've done a sermon on dating. That's not how that works. <laughs> and we think, if I choose this box, I may never know what's in those boxes. Huh. Then I just have this box, and it may be a great box, but what if that box was better? And we can get right on the bus to crazy town. <laughs> right on the bus to crazy town. Right on the bus, strap us in, we are on the bus to crazy town. Because we are so afraid of making the wrong choice. Right? So James says this. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. James says, if you're lacking in wisdom about choosing things, ask God. You see, James was a Jew, and he was well steeped in the wisdom tradition. In fact, scholars who have studied the book of James say that you can see in James all of these references back to Jewish wisdom literature. Some of it we have in our Bible, which is Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. And some of it's in the Apocrypha, the wisdom of Sirach, the wisdom of Solomon. 
And they say that the book of James is a book about wisdom, which is a book about making good choices. James is basically a book that says, be wise, make good choices, and he spends the book trying to teach us how to make good choices. This reminds me of my, one of my favorite scenes in The Office. Hey, no hissing. One of my favorite scenes in The Office, the boss, Michael, asks the assistant to the regional manager, Dwight, he says to him, what's the best piece of advice I've ever given you? And Dwight says, don't be an idiot. <laughs> and then they do this like, you know how Dwight's in the conference room and they do the straight on shot. And Dwight says, whenever I'm about to do something, I ask myself, would an idiot do this thing? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, then I do not do that thing. <laughs> that is the book of James. office-style book of James, don't be an idiot. That's what he's trying to cultivate in you because the opposite of wisdom is folly. The opposite of wisdom is being a fool. The opposite of wisdom is being an idiot. Yes. So the whole book of James, you go to Bible study this week. If your Bible study leader hasn't watched this yet or wasn't here and like as a faculty member or something, you'd be like, I know what the book of James is about. Don't be an idiot. You're welcome. James also loves the people he's writing to. Loves, 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 loves them. Big brother loves them. All we're getting, he'll say, my brothers and sisters, my beloved, my friends. He want, he's not saying, don't be an idiot, like, Christian, don't be an idiot. He's saying, don't be an idiot, like, Christian, you don't want to be an idiot, do you? No, you don't, right? So when you read James, it's easy to hear him going like, don't be an idiot. And you have to hear him say like, you don't really want to be an idiot. Let me show you how not to be an idiot. That's the book of James. There is warmth and tenderness and love that comes from someone who is older than you and wiser than you and he's been through a lot and he wants you not to make mistakes and not to make bad choices. And when he's talking about wisdom, we read a passage that has a lot going on, right? We got the whole trials business, we got the wisdom business, we got the rich and poor business, we got the temptations and the desire business, we got the every good gift business. It's a lot going on. And it would be really tempting to say, like, James is not paying attention. Like, he needs a thesis statement and he needs some supporting paragraphs, right? <laughs> English 101, James. So what we find, though, is that the more we dig and the more we call, James is talking here about wisdom is having your desires line up with God's desires. Having your desires line up with God's desires. And this is why he says, but ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Because when, when you align your values with God's values, your loves with God's loves, your desires with God's desires, it's very tempting to say, Lord, I would like to align my desires with your desires on this particular instance, around this particular topic area. And other than that, I'd really like to be run by my desires. 
double-minded. It's tempting to say things like, well, you know, God, I haven't done very much and I'm not really good at anything, so you're probably not going to answer this prayer, but anyway, could you give me some wisdom? James is like, no, 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 double-minded. That's more about you than it is about God. No, 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 don't pray like that. It's also tempting to say, you know, like, well, he'll probably give me a little bit of wisdom, but he won't give me enough and I'm still not going to know what to do. Double-minded. If your desires are God's desires, then you're going to be fully surrendered. A key part of wisdom is full surrender. Not being double-minded, not saying my desires matter, saying God's desires matter. That's where we get in verse 13. No one who is tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by what? One's own desire. Being lured and enticed by it. Then, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. When it comes to making choices in our lives, we so often approach it as, what do I want? What do I want most? And if we are honest, what we want is ease and happiness and good health. We want an easy life, please, Lord. That's what we want. Can I choose the major please that will guarantee me the easiest possible life? Can I, can I find a spouse if the Lord is calling me to marriage? Can I find the spouse that will guarantee me like the easiest possible relationship? I don't want any high drama. Could, can I do that, please? Could I find a friendship group? That's just the easiest possible people to be with. When our desires are up in front, what we most want is our own happiness and an easy life and please no pain. Right? God's desires for us, if you read through scripture, very rarely does he say, if you do these things, you'll be really happy. If you do these things, you can guarantee yourself a life of a pain-free existence. Jesus did not stand up on the top of the mountain and say, come to me. Your family members will never get cancer. No one in your family will have alcoholism. You will never become addicted to porn. Come to me and have a happy life. All shall be well. Your desires are my desires. I want to make your dreams come true. You see, we confuse Jesus with Walt Disney a lot. Knowing that, though, James does remind us that God is generous, right? Twice in the passage. Verse 5, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. 
And then over in verse 17, every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James says, look, God is a generous God. He wants the absolute best for you. He is overflowing with love for you. He wants to give you what you need. God is a generous God. God wants to pour wisdom on you. He wants to give you the gifts he needs, you need in order to grow up into the full stature of Christ. God is generous with you. Now because of that, when you look at the boxes, do you think one could be better than the other? If God is a generous God, if that is what we have stated, if God is one who wants to give generously to all, and he says in here that trials, temptations, burdens, wisdom, all of it can be given and used and redeemed by God, is there one of these boxes that could be better than the others? Huh, let's see. Come here. I'm using this microphone. Tell me your name. Andrew. Andrew? Yeah. Andrew, I would like you to please open box number one, also known as the envelope. Really? Yeah, you just rip it open. Whoa. What's in it? say? God is generous, James chapter 1. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, you enjoy that? Whoa. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Andrew, everybody. Andrew. <laughs> Knowing what was in box number one, how excited are you about box number twos and three? <laughs> okay. Our assumption when we go to God is that one of the boxes is bad and we just have to avoid the bad box. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Come on up here, John. Yeah. Tell everybody your name. Uh, John Kim. John Kim, everybody. John Kim. John, my friend, I invite you to take the top off that box. It's not going to eat you or explode or anything. <laughs> what did you find? <laughs> yes. You're welcome. You can just leave the box. You don't need to bring that with you. Just, just take the bag. Just take the bag and be happy. Big bag of chocolate. A big bag of chocolate. Oh my goodness, what is in number three? Oh my goodness, what is in number three? You wanna come up and find out what's in number three? Yeah, yeah you do. Tell me your name. Suzanne. Suzanne. All right, you can just pop, the, pop it open. Oh, 
What? What is it? Rocks. Rocks. Huh. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. Huh. Why don't you uh, read us some of the labels that are on some of these rocks? Learning disabilities. Alcoholism and family. Doesn't fit in. Parents divorce. Sexually abused. Grief. Chronic pain. And addicted to porn. Wow. How do you feel? A little disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like money, chocolate, box of rocks. Wow. Well, you did great and you were a volunteer, so you get that. Thank you. All right. She gets chocolate, okay? She gets a good, good chocolate bar. A little disappointed, right? You were thinking maybe she was going to get like an iPad or something, weren't you? <clears throat> huh. Consider it nothing but joy. Really? Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through trials of any kind. Wow. How many people would rather have money and chocolate? Yeah, all the hands should be up right now, okay? You know, everybody's got a rock. Everybody's got a rock. The temptation is to constantly be looking for the other boxes. The temptation is to think, I should have chose differently and I wouldn't have this rock. The temptation is to think, I can't believe God gave me this rock. Kind of ticked at God. The temptation is to have our desires for ease and chocolate and money overrule God's desires to grow us up into Christ. Everybody's got a rock. Some of you know some wise people. People you would describe as wise. I am going to lay money on the fact that every person you know who is a Jesus follower and who is wise has carried some rocks. This is why James begins talking about trials of various kinds because they're going to grow you up. They're going to make you mature. They're going to make you lacking in nothing. And then the next verse he says, and if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, but don't be double-minded about it because you know the way wisdom usually comes? Rocks. 
And our double-mindedness says, I want wisdom to come through money and chocolate. I want it to come through easy ways. I want wisdom to just kind of come, like stick to me. I don't want to have to carry a rock. I don't actually want to have to do this. And our desires give birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death because our desires make us immature. And God wants us to be up to the full stature of Christ. God gives generously, James says. He says it a couple of different times. God gives generously. And some of you are like, he could be a little less generous with the rocks. God gives generously and he does so for our good. And in the moments when our rocks become too heavy, when our box of rocks is too much for us to bear, we need to remember that the one who gives generously has given us our Jesus. That the one who gives generously has given his only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus who knows suffering inside and out. Jesus who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Jesus In the season of Advent, we often sing this hymn, and we actually name Jesus as wisdom. O come, O wisdom from on high, who ordered all things mightily, to us the path of knowledge show, and teach us in its ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. When God gives you a rock, you enter into the season of Advent. You enter into a season of waiting for God to come, of waiting for God to show up. You enter into a season of constantly having to work to align your desires with God's desires when it is so incredibly hard. You enter into a season of trying to love the things that God loves even though it is costing you so much. You enter into a season when you pray regularly, come Lord Jesus, come. Our Lord Jesus has promised not only to come at the end of time someday when he will, but he has promised that he is right here with us now. He is right here with us now. And he is with us when we pray and he is with us when we sing and he speaks to us at 3 a.m. when we cannot sleep. And he is with us with dear friends who are in this room with us, who pray for us when we can't pray, and who will sing for us when we can't sing, and who will hold our hand when we can't even stand up. Oh, come, oh, wisdom. I don't know what your rock is but I know what the temptations around rocks are. 
The temptation is to get rid of the rock. But if James is right, the rock is worth way more than 20 bucks. And our God is calling us, when he's calling us into wisdom, he's calling us to trust. Oh, come, oh, wisdom. Our Jesus has also promised that someday when he returns, there will be no more mourning or crying or pain for all of the rocks will have passed away. All of the rocks will have passed away. Learning disabilities and sexual abuse and grief and chronic pain will have all passed away. The wounds of your parents' divorce, the wounds of your own addiction will all have passed away. You will be before the face of God, bright and shining in the presence of the Father of lights who has known you by name and has watched you grow in wisdom and in stature and in grace and in truth over the course of your life. And when you are done, when you have completed your journey, he will say to you, welcome home, good and faithful servant. Welcome. Enter into the joy of of your master. Oh, come, oh, wisdom. Will you pray with me? God, you are a good and generous God. And we are so quick to praise you when little things come. 20 bucks, chocolates, a friend who sends us a good text, a funny video, a beautiful sunrise. Lord, our desires so want us to be stuck there, and yet you keep pulling us into grace and into maturity. So come, wisdom. Align our desires with your desires for us. Help us to love the things that you love even when it costs us. Help us to be the people you need us to be even when we feel alone. Lord, raise us up. Grow us up to be mature, lacking in nothing for your glory alone. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our wisdom, and all God's people say, amen.